All right, well, that's... Uh, three Have we been minutes recording this whole time? Fuck's sake. Every time we do this. Why do we do this every time? Yeah. Anyway. No. Well, why do we record the podcast? Um, okay. Welcome <laughs> to the movieville.org. <laughs> Take a deep breath. Visualize that... that that uh, no. Vader and the 501st bursting in with a sign that says Movieville. Welcome to the Movieville.org podcast, episode number 65. I'm Curran. I'm Kushal. Yes, that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> and feel it. Oh, hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? How goes life across the what's the what's the sea across here? Uh, the the river of blood. How no, goes life? So that's a, sorry, that's another one. Sorry, right. uh, we're st- straight in there. <laughs> no, it. <laughs> I mean, it, it, yeah, it's fine. Life is very good uh, ish. I've had some uh, troubles moving into a new apartment. Yeah. Um, the landlord was uh, had a guy with a machine pumping the drains and making it habitable, uh, which is good. Yeah, um, it's my first long term lease over here, so it's interesting, interesting experience going through all the legal stuff without yep. speaking the language. It's weird. How how are you? Um, yeah, I'm good. Uh, we're now kind of like uh, we're we're in um, was towards the end of April, and I have now. A few weeks, say a few weeks, just over a month left in England. Oh, and you're off to Canadabad. To yeah, off to Canadabad, and um, life is apparently hasn't really changed much. I don't really probably probably should stop packing at some point. <laughs> you haven't started packing, no. And you're moving your entire life to uh, Canadistan. Yeah, I mean, really, the only things we're moving are clothes okay. and my and my camera gear. Really, there's nothing else. We're leaving furniture and stuff here and. We're taking soft furnishings. Soft furnishings. <laughs> Sorry, we're taking Excuse soft. Fu- we're taking soft furnishings. <clears throat> soft furnishings and things with us, like pillows, duets, and stuff like that. Maybe. Um, Have you had this weird flu that's going around? I've been taking a lot of vitamins, so no. Uh, yeah, just randomly went to a house party and uh, caught something. Um, this is interesting. What um, happens when you have a lot of people together? Is that like a European flu? I know. I think people are getting it over in um, um, over there. Yeah, England. England. People are people are getting it in England. Yes. Uh, yeah. Just wondering how how goes the killer flu? Do you haven't really heard of anybody dying from any flu yet here? But then, oh, that's good. Yes. All right. So uh, this is an interesting episode. It's going to so be far. very interesting, um, actually. I think it's uh, this is the, is the the opening is is kind of reflective of um, what's been happening uh, across the world, maybe. No. What is so? This is Star Wars uh, celebration twentieth anniversary, also the twentieth anniversary of um, Episode One, and they had like hours of uh, live streaming from uh star wars celebration yep. online lots of information about new stuff yep. which we want to cover and uh add our own little extra bits and we thought well i thought depending on how the podcast goes maybe i want to jump into some um 
some mental munging about uh, the roots of storytelling and eth- uh, the ethnic history of comparative mythology and all those kind of things, because sometimes people like those things. Um, I had a friend who said, I don't have to read stuff because you tell me it, which is okay. If I can be that person, I'm happy to do it. It's something that I feel like we've um, tried to achieve in this podcast is that we take a subject as seemingly ordinary like Star Wars, but then we how dare. kind of what said, how dare you? Seemingly ordinary. All right. Much like ourselves, you know? What about people that <laughs> then, give a shit about Star Wars that haven't seen it before? I feel, well, the thing is, uh, as much as they'd like to uh, deny it, Star Wars holds a very important position in our society, not just from a pop culture uh, uh, perspective, but also kind of the 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 ways of living, I guess you could say. So a lot of the things that we see in today's society are reflected within Star Wars, and I think that's what you're going to go into today, yes? Maybe some of it, yeah. I would like to hear your feedback and how you can relate you what you yeah what you mean by sure. by that. Um, so that would be good. So should we do a few catch up catch ups and trailers and things? Let's do that. Uh, so it's probably going to be very Star Warsy. Um, but before we get into that, let's do the non Star Warsy stuff. I yes. guess uh, anything non Star Warsy that we want to talk about? I'm really excited about uh, something called the boys. Uh, do you know anything about this? I know. Um, so it's a bunch of superheroes. Oh, the boys. Which is why I'm surprised that you don't. Uh, you haven't seen the trailer or don't know anything about it yet. Nope. But they're superheroes that basically. So what was that? <clears throat> there was a film a while back with some kids that get, suddenly get superpowers from some alien rock and then they just do wrong things. Chronicle. Yeah, so this is in the same vein as okay. that, and it's a bunch of people that run around and um, are just basically living life however the hell they want without any, you know, this, there's no policing on them. Okay. There's no, who, how do you police the superheroes? Yes. Uh, and then some guy comes along and he's basically, his job is to figure out what to do to rein it in because these guys are out of control because they have superpowers and they literally think they can do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. I think it looks quite interesting. I think it's like a dark comedy. Mm. Um and uh, I think it'll make fun of the genre a lot. We had a quick kind of back and forth about um, Titans. Um, and oh, yeah. I, hadn't, I hadn't finished watching it. I know we kind of talked about it a couple of episodes ago, but I'd started watching it at the time and now I, I, kind of, I kind of finished it off and I thought it didn't, it felt, I said this to you the other day, it felt like such a strange experience watching it. It didn't feel like I was watching something that was DC. And that, after kind of watching you know, uh, Flash and uh, what else? Crappy DC show that they have. Um, Name a DC show. Uh, oh, man. Black Lightning. Yeah, but see, I haven't finished that, so I'm not sure what to expect for that. I can't really say that's crap. Okay, season two. Okay. okay. Um, so, yeah, I kind of watched the DC stuff, and I expected kind of something in the similar vein. But then when we saw that trailer kind of uh, late last year, and it was very gritty, and it was adult, and... He said, fuck Batman. It just, um, for me, it was like, well, this is something completely different. Um, this something we haven't seen. This is, this feels like to me, DC was saying, fuck it. We don't give a shit now. We're just going to throw everything out there. We're going to put everything that we can into this, um, from a story perspective, a character perspective. And, um, yeah, it's just, it felt like something that we have needed for a very long time. 
it felt like Marvel have been. I take it you finished finished like, watching it now. I did. I I did finish it. It felt like Marvel had been kind of one-upping them at every single turn, but I think DC have finally made something from a TV show perspective, at least, um, that can almost um, match up to some of the stuff that they've been making. Cool. Uh, yes, I might watch it again, but in French. I'm always looking for things to watch for the second time. Uh, Discovery season two. Okay. Yes. Um, I mean, you know, if people haven't already watched Discovery season one, why not? Um, <laughs> uh, this is science fiction heaven. It's not like anything else with um, Star Trek written on it. Yep, it's very original and new and gritty and emotional, and it just kind of, as you watch, especially season two, and you know whether or not you're new to the stories and the, the world, um, a very emotional season is what I'm going to say. I mean, there were people tweeting saying, "Okay, Discovery is tearing me apart," and all this kind of stuff. It, it, You're tearing me apart. It's uh, it's been a very good season. That just finished on Netflix. It was just out one week at a time, and the last one just aired. Yeah. Uh, wow. That's <clears throat> all I'll say for now. Uh, a bit early to give away spoilers. I'm not going to say anything. Um, but yes, so let's go on to um, Star Warsy things. I always join in with other people when they talk about episode one and they say, oh, yeah, episode one, yeah. Just, just to start from number four. And in fact, start from Rogue One and then go on from there and. <laughs> And then watch, and it's because I completely understand the general perspective of yep. episode one, two, and three are these weird, crazy, expanded universe movies with reference to references to things that just don't exist yep. anywhere. And it's like people are just watching it, saying, "I'm not sure what I'm watching. It's just weird. I don't get it. I'm confused." Mm. But if I manage to get someone to sit down and watch four or five seasons of Clone Wars, and yep. then they watch episode one, two, and three, then yep. it's like three completely different movies <laughs> um and it's a so yes it's, it's, it's 20th um, anniversary of the uh move into the uh productions around the expanded universe um uh, oh, wow there's so many things i don't know where to start let's start with the trailer the biggest news is the trailer rise okay. of skywalker yep because i feel like you know obviously so much more than what I see, because I just see what I've found, what I've learned from the last few films. So all I know is what I've seen and obviously stuff from the Clone Wars, but that's not massively applicable here. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I think you are now more in touch with this universe than you were. Um, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. A while back. And you're reading a book at the moment, right? I am. I'm reading uh, Ahsoka. Uh, I say reading, I'm listening to Ahsoka. Um, I am, this is, I think this is the fastest I've ever been gone through a book. <laughs> I should have read, uh, sorry, listened to books from the very beginning. I'm on chapter 27 now, which is, I think I'm kind of about 45 minutes from finishing. Um, I said to you the other day, I didn't, there was, it was kind of a nothing book until kind of, um, something happened, uh, kind of midway through. And now I'm at the yeah. point where she's talking about searching for a crystal and I'm all of a sudden yeah. interested again. So, uh, it's a very good, like for me, when I watched Clone Wars, I, it really felt like I couldn't, I couldn't stop watching. I said this to you and I couldn't stop watching 
when I first started, and I wanted more. The animated series. Yes. And the Clone Wars, the animated series by David yes. Filoni, who is the head of all animation project at, at Lucasfilm and a disciple of George Lucas. Interesting. Because it's a cult, right? It, it fucking is. Um, and I couldn't stop watching Clone Wars because it felt, like we said this, it, it from the very beginning, it felt like a, a, a children's show, but then it evolved from from being a children's show to a show that everybody can take something from. Um, like it was a show for Star Wars geeks and people who'd read the books. And it, for me, it was like, I, what the, what the hell is this guy? Who is this guy? Who is Darth Maul's other brother guy? I didn't even know he had a brother. Who are these other people? Who are these like people with horns on their head? And I, I didn't even understand what was going on. And then it just felt like there was this massive, massive universe beyond what we knew from the films. And so that too. Zabrax. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, name. Then there I'm, was. I'm, I'm just going to talk to the fans. I don't care about new people. No, no, no. Yeah, and then there were the witches and all this other stuff. And I was like, this is. Uh, yeah, I was. I was drawn in, and I was grasped by this massive universe, and I wanted to know more about it. And then when Clone Wars finished, I was like, this is very emotional. And sorry, and then I've been ill, so I mean, so my throat's going to keep okay. coughing. Um. And then we found out that Clone Wars is coming back and we saw this trailer and I was like, oh, this is interesting. Okay. But yeah. All right, cool. So, um, so let's talk Rise of Skywalker trailer. Yeah. Uh, uh, how did you find that? Like, I'm, every time I see a Star Wars trailer, I'm never disappointed. I'm always excited. I get goosebumps every single time I watch it. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, what I think what, what I loved about it is Every Star Wars trailer that they use is the music that gets me. Um, I, I, this, uh, correct me <laughs> yeah. if I'm wrong, because I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm right here, If I'm because my music my knowledge may not be the best here. It is the Leia's theme, isn't it, that they're using? Uh, I fucking can't remember that much detail. Wow. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're using Leia's theme in the trailer, but they've obviously made it grander and bigger, and it's it's... Uh, yes, I think it was, but it wasn't the standard one because the standard ones. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so this was the kind of uh, uh, it was such a powerful, powerful theme to use for this trailer, and God, it gets me like it. It, it gets me emotional every time I see a Star Wars trailer with Leia in it. Like, yeah, man, I, I don't know, like, Leia, with Leia. Leia in. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's yeah. Okay, so what, what do you think is going to happen? I don't know. This is I. I and this is where my Star Wars knowledge kind of fails me, or lack of knowledge, I guess, is is that there there's all these kind of allusions to who Ray is, and it has been from the from the very beginning from Force Awakens. It, it it just feels like they've been playing up to something this whole time. We've seen scenes from uh, the earlier film, like Force Awakens, that there were a couple of scenes that we saw, yeah. like the uh, there was a shot where Ray had kind of soon have seen a flashback of the knights of Ray, uh, sorry, um, Kylo Ren and the knights of Ren, like around him and stuff. And it feels like this is something that they're going to show in this film. Um, so it feels like she's foreseen some stuff or whatever. And all right. Okay. Let, let, let me, I'll, okay. I'll stop okay. you from <laughs> struggling. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. I think you will know more about this. Um, when you, by the time you finish okay. the Ahsoka book, because she is like, the precursor mm. to Ray in many ways from what I can see. So my own perspective is that uh, yeah, we know that Ahsoka left. No, oh, come on. Clone Wars has been out for long enough. Yeah. Now. Ahsoka left the Jedi Order 
to, to find their own path and do her own stuff. And then later on, she remakes new lightsabers um, and she does interesting things with uh, crystals that cool. she's taken from a Sith. And when you recover the crystals, they go white yes. and you get a white blade. And unless I'm mistaken, Ray had white blade on her right on her lightsaber. It was like it was Luke's light. It was Anakin's lightsaber, but with a white blade. So I'm now thinking, um, are they going to do something really fucking lightsaber sexy? Like she's reforged Anakin's lightsaber using the crystal from Vader's blade. Yeah, I I'm just. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did I... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because that would be amazing. Now, let me make that even worse um, because they are teasing and teasing and teasing. Yep. I mean, I've said back in episode 41, uh, <laughs> our episode 41, there isn't a Star Wars episode of 41 yet. Don't worry. You haven't missed anything. <laughs> I said in there that I think it's all about the lightsabers and there is a story that's told by the lightsabers as well as everything else. But we, you go back to that episode and listen to that if you want. I'm going to move on and talk about the other things they've been producing. So... Have you seen Rebels? No. Uh, One person that came up in Rebels out of nowhere was Thrawn. Yep. Um, One of my most favorite characters in the Star Wars universe. This guy is amazing. He's a super strategizing, cool, calm, collected, menacing Grand Admiral that's left over after the uh, Empire goes down. Um, And he's there all the way through from Mm -hmm. the period after Return of the Jedi. And I think, hmm, why have they suddenly brought Thrawn from the books into the uh, animated series and then out of nowhere we get the Thrawn trilogy that's not not the original Thrawn trilogy which is you know um, already it's been out for many many years but a new Thrawn trilogy called Thrawn Thrawn Alliances yep. and Thrawn Treason is coming out the third part is coming out on July the 23rd this year and I'm sitting there thinking that's interesting why are they bringing out Thrawn books again out of nowhere um and then of course then of course they have Star Wars Celebration and they start talking about this yeah. new series, which we'll come back to in, in, in a few minutes. But the time period of that new series, The Mandalorian, is three years after Return of the Jedi, which is the period during which Thrawn is still around. And man, I don't know if they're yeah. gonna do that, but <laughs> I don't know if they found an actor yet that will play Thrawn or whatever, but that would be stunning if they were able to <laughs> mix those those storylines together. Um, uh, so, I mean, okay, let, I was yep. going to talk about the Thrawn. I know it's a book and it, we're talking about movies, but this, this is, it's related to movies. It's, it's rooted in movies. <laughs> Thrawn Alliance is uh, like some adventures that he, that Thrawn has with, uh, Anakin. No, Anakin and Vader. I'm playing it like they're two different people. So I don't want to give any spoilers away. <laughs> yep. Cause you know, you, you never know. Um, <laughs> It's like, oh, both of them, both Anakin and Vader in it. Yes, and Thrawn, all three of them. Um, but this other book, the first book, it's mm. called, it's just called Thrawn. This book covers racism and classism and the view from inside yep. the Empire and a view from inside Thrawn's mind. And it introduces Arinda Price, who's one of the bad guys in Rebels. And I, find, I found this book, one of the best written novels, um in terms of science fiction, let alone Star Wars, that I've read on this type of subject. Because Thrawn is, uh, he's a chiss. He's a blue-skinned species from a long way away. Yeah. And so the fact that he's been 
put into the academy and is going up through the ranks in the empire, uh, people don't like it because I don't know if people have understood the world of Star Wars, but it's very human centric and they don't like people from diverse backgrounds. They don't like aliens. Yeah. They don't <laughs> like anything like that that's different to humans, which I think is quite representative of the world that uh, we're in at the moment. And I think that's why um, some of these things, some of these ideas, which we thought were just old fashioned ideas are now suddenly very relevant again and make Star Wars very relevant in this day mm. and age. And you'll see Thrawn, how Thrawn deals with extreme prejudice and racism and mm. institutional uh, bias against him and still becomes a grand admiral. It's a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful story. Um, I think to read from doesn't matter what what mm. background you're from. I've been listening to I've been reading some things and listening to some things on um, Scribd who don't sponsor us yet. But man, if we mention them often enough, <laughs> um, so that that's definitely something that's that's uh, worth getting into. So have you seen uh, what else have you seen? You mentioned the the Clone Wars uh, trailer. You, have you did you watch all three clips? Yeah, I did. Uh, oh, th three? Um, there are three clips. I I, I've seen the trailer. Um, I don't know if I saw... There's one I've with... seen like the... Yeah. I saw um, three clips. I think I might have seen this. Because um, there, there was like two longish clips, wasn't there? Yeah, there's the first one with the you know, those mutant clones. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And there's one kind of... Uh, one semi-rendered one, isn't there? Uh, yeah, that was cool. Right. Yes. Yeah, there's just yeah, that was very stuff cool. that's going on. Because um, uh, it's coming out in 2020, which is slightly annoying, but no, well, I thought it was coming out in like this year. No. Um, what's interesting is that it's going to have mm. more Ahsoka versus more, mm. and I, mean, I don't know. I think we've already, you know, we gave away once already that uh, there's a very special character at the end of the Solo movie. I don't know why people don't watch the Solo movie. It's uh, wonderful. Yeah. No. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's fine. It's just made for the fans. Um, who Darth Maul is at the end. Yeah. And they brought Ray Park back because mm. it's his face. And they brought Sam Witwer mm. back, who's also the guy that played the Vader's apprentice in Force, Force Unleashed. Unleashed yeah. yeah. And um, <laughs> he is being brought back. And Ray Park were brought back for Clone Wars wow. season six or seven or whatever you're going to call it. Yeah. And they had Ray Park do... Uh, the actual choreography and motion captured him and Sam Witwer uh, voicing him. And they changed his, his look so that his look is the look from Solo. Uh. <laughs> so, so, like, that's sick. I'm sure I was drooling a lot while I was uh, uh, oh, listening to this. Very cool. I think that's going to be quite exciting. Um, which one should we talk about next? I don't know if there's going to be another Rebel season. It'd be nice if there is. I'm going to ignore that one for now. Uh, Resistance, I can't wait till another another season of that. It's, it's more suited to like children and beginners to the whole um, universe. Star Wars Resistance mm. is really good. Finished a while back. Um, the trailer for The Fallen Order. Yes. I think that's going to keep yes. us going for a while. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen this? I think you first sent it yeah, to probably. me and then someone else sent it um, to me. and then. God. Do you yeah. remember there was a game that was at that game that they they had announced but they never made? Um, I don't know if you remember this. It was like console Star Wars game. Um, it was like called Twelve. It's based kind of. Hold on a second, I'm trying to find it. Rings a bell. 
1313. Do you remember this? Yes. Do you know what that is a reference to? No. So Coruscant, Coruscant, mm. the planet city, uh, capital of yeah. the galaxy, um, has thousands of levels. Okay. Of like you know level you can like take a lift to level five thousand and something. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But level thirteen thirteen is a notorious level that's basically run by the underworld, and everyone skips thirteen thirteen. And it's a bit of a take on how mm. um, superstitious architects, even in today's world, don't put a floor thirteen on many skyscrapers and buildings because it's thought of as unlucky. So they they miss out the floor, or they put a secret floor that's used for storage and that kind of stuff. Um, uh, and if you've seen uh, Being John Malkovich, you have you ever seen that? Yeah, a long time ago. Legendary film. Um, yeah. Well, there's a there's a there's a floor thirteen joke in this, and then Star and then so the level of Coruscant that's thirteen thirteen that no one goes to is the joke on that. Interesting. Out, you superstition from our universe. Okay. Anyway, go on. Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't. I feel like uh, it, it's it's about and it's about time we got a, a Star Wars game that isn't just multiplayer. Because I think oh, yeah. this thirteen thirteen game was supposed to be, I think it was I, th- I think it was supposed to be kind of some kind of multiplayer game. Um, so I'm man, I'm super excited for this because it's going to be on on all platforms as well, which which makes it even kind of more exciting. I think um, I, it's been a long time coming, and I feel like we need a game like this that we can spend hours and hours on. So I'm hoping it's some kind of RPG or something, because um, I remember playing. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic like a long, long, long time ago. Um, yes. And I loved that. I loved having, having so much fun on that. But yeah, it's... um, I'm not telling you much about what the trailer's about, really. No, no. I mean, it's it's fine. People can go and look it up and we'll link to it. And it's um, it looks like a, an awesome game. Again, uh, in the time when... Uh, uh, I think it takes place after the trilogy... The first trilogy, one, two, and three. Yes, uh, probably Star Wars Universe. Shortly after Episode Three. Yeah. Okay, that was a, that was just a guess, but that that makes sense because they're uh, in hiding and they don't want to show that they're Jedi or have their powers or these people with these interesting mm. abilities because obviously the Sith rule the everything, all the things. All right. Uh, let's see what else have we got on the list. So that's Jedi. So that's uh, the Fallen Order, which is a Star Wars game that's out on November the 15th with a novel a, soci- a, a novel called The Fallen Order out on November the 19th. That's going to be exciting. November's going to be crazy. Do you know what I I I really appreciate now about and it's not something that we we or most people would have appreciated kind of when uh, the trilogy came out, the new trilogy. Um the old new trilogy is that <laughs> Is that that it's now canon? Like I, it's, and people that have accepted it as canon. But one, two, and three. Yeah. Yeah, I meet people that have seen one and two, but they haven't seen three yet, and it's like, what? Have you ever yeah. seen four? No, I haven't seen three yet. <laughs> oh, cool shit. Okay. <laughs> but this is, I like, I love how they've acknowledged. They, you know, it's kind of acknowledged all over the place now. Like in Clone Wars and in these games, it's it's they're they're a thing, regardless of how badly they were received from fans. Uh, I yeah, it's it's interesting. I find it very interesting. I agree. It's um even though they rewrote loads of the story and fucked it all up, but it's we're getting we're getting used to it. It's fine. Mm. It's fine. Yeah. Uh maybe George has earned that yes. right, maybe he hasn't, we don't know. Open question. All right, let's get to the Mandalorian. So what's the Mandalorian about? And have you seen much of it? 
yeah, I saw the the t- trailer and the um, the clip with uh, what's his name, Werner Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog, yes. Yeah, um, and Apollo Creed. Yeah, I tell you, it's quite interesting because uh, Apollo Creed. I mean, you know, he's a legend, and mm. uh, Gina Carano. Yeah, and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and uh, Pedro Pascal, who you know, yes. uh, uh, Oberyn Martell, Game of Thrones. Yes, the Red Viper, um, yeah. uh, and Detective Benya. Yes, from that wonderful role in. Now, of course, this is a yeah. huge cast, um, but that's enough about the movable props because uh, anyone else that will watches the panel will realize they had nothing to input because movable props. These people that we call actors they are really good at saying other people's words. Mm-hmm. Stick them on the panel and say, say something, and you'll get what Pedro Pascal did, where he goes, I came on set, I didn't know what I was going to do, I thought, can I be an insect? Can I be this? And then they said, you're going to be the Mandalorian. And I was like, <laughs> yes! And it's like, okay. Good, good for you, dude. <laughs> it was like, oh, the, painful. The scale of this show, I, I, I was saying this to you the other day, it it just feels like um, it feels like a movie. It feels like we're watching a behind the scenes of a movie or watching clips from a film. Like I, I can't, I can't even fathom. Like if you think kind of 15 years ago or so, we wouldn't have dreamed like to see a show in like to the scale that they're making this thing. It's, it's insane. And like, like you said, the cast and John Favreau, I mean, I... okay. So, uh, I'll, I'm being unfair. Gina, Gina Carano, ex MMA. Wow. Wow, she's rude. That was very rude. So rude. She's. Well, Amazon's getting a. Someone at Amazon's getting a Movieville preview. <laughs> Accidentally pressed a button. Uh, that was, I don't even know what it said. Um, yeah. Gina Carano, to be fair. XMMA, ah, that's what I said. XMMA fighter. That's what kicked it off. Um, she is uh, cool in the stuff that she's been in. I, she doesn't, I don't know, she's got big shoes to fill because she's mm. up there with, I mean, Pedro Pascal, mm. Werner Herzog, Carl Weathers, and this girl from Fast Foo, which is a film that I never thought I'd watch, but now I'm going to have to watch it just to see how she does. She's been brought in as a rebel shop trooper, so I'm hoping that you know she delivers. She, I'm sure she will. Uh, I hope they're happy with their choice and it, it's it's working. Um, mm. I'm not I'm not going to say I'm concerned. I'm excited. She's got an amazing uh, presence because she's yep. got the presence of a fighter, and I think and I think that translates because I think many um, movable pro- uh, actors, I mean, try and develop that yep. stage presence. Um, you know, they act, they really act, um, as they say in Team America. So, uh, and she's got it naturally. So, you know, maybe, maybe it'll be good. But yeah, like you said, the directors, Dave Filoni, who's great friends with um, John Favreau, that they came together and they made this project happen. And uh, if you don't want to watch the panel, uh, the briefest summary is that they just, you know, They've been known each other for years, and John Favreau was the first one to watch uh, Clone Wars when Filoni had made it, and Filoni nice. was the first one to watch Iron Man when Favreau had made it. John Favreau is making and editing uh, the live-action 
Lion King at the same time as making this. And uh, they sort of said to ILM, can you help us do some things? And ILM were like, sorry, you're making a live action series about a Mandalorian. So they had a meeting with what I'm expect. I'm guessing they expected two or three people. And there was like the entire room was packed full of ILM people that were like, mm. <laughs> so they, they've gone down into the basement of ILM. Doug Chang's got involved, the design uh, uh, guy extraordinaire. Um, wow. And they've got, uh, the first time they filmed in California, filmed in California as well, not in the oh, UK wow. and Tunisia and these other places. They've used all the green screen skills that Favreau has been learning from the Lion wow. King and these other places. Um, what else? So the directors they're bringing mm. in, the real talent, because um, you need directors and writers to make the props. Mm. People actually do stuff. Mm. Uh, Deborah Chow, um, part-time director on uh, American Gods, Better Call Saul, uh, Jessica Jones, um, uh, Rick Famuyima. Yeah, Rick Famuyiwa. Uh, he made Dope and Talk to Me which is are good. on my list, but I've not seen. Uh, some <laughs> bloke called Taika Waititi <laughs> from Thor Ragnarok. Um, I, and those episodes, I'm sure, are going to be absolutely uh, phenomenal because yeah. Taika is just unique. Um, and Bryce, yeah. Bryce uh, Dallas Howard, um, just riding that privilege all the way to Star Wars. <laughs> wow! I wasn't uh, expecting that. Didn't expect that to happen at all. <laughs> Yo, my daddy was Richie Cunningham. Let me film one. Wasn't her dad Look, fresh, she, uh, sorry. I'm, I'm sure she's very talented, but, you know. Isn't her dad Howard Stern? Uh, her dad is Howard Stern? Yeah, right. Then why isn't her name Bryce Dallas Stern instead of Bryce Dallas I feel Howard? like, hold on a second. Her dad was Richie Cunningham. Sure. Actually, you don't know who Richie Cunningham is. Who am I talking about? Who's um? <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I've just made an old age joke, which old age people will really appreciate. And you are like, huh? I thought her dad was Ron Howard. She was in Black Mirror as well. She was. She was good in Black Mirror. She was lovely in Black Mirror. Yeah, she played the. Did she played the woman with in the series with the points social. Yes, social, social media. media. Yeah. yeah, that was actually very good. Actually, she's uh, mm. uh, very natural in front of the camera. So um, I hope she can do something behind the camera. Yes. Apparently, she's directed some things before, but um, okay. Next on the Mandalorian, uh, they were doing this stuff, filming this stuff, and they sort of, you know, it's very expensive, and they would. This is almost like an independent project that these guys have put together. Uh, they got permission to do it, but I don't know how much of a budget they've got. They didn't have enough uh, Stormtrooper uniforms. And I love this story. Um, so do you know who the 501st are? Because you've watched Clone Wars, so you know who the 501st Rex are. Rex and Fives and all that kind of shit. Rex and Cody. Yeah. Rex mainly. Okay. Okay. So the 501st are Anakin's crew. Yep. Yeah. Uh, later on, they're called Vader's Fist. Oh, no. And they are a spec ops team. Um, that follow Vader around mm. in a ship called the Black Hawk, mm. and they ask no questions. Perform. There's no hesitation. Uh, as 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 they're killed off one by one, um, Vader replaces them with the best people he could find, and they're just like this murder squad that go around doing Vader's work. Um, are you sad because of the bastardization of the Five Hundred First? Yeah. Well, what do we people may not know? Go on. 
No, no, go on you. No, no, you say it. It's interesting. I like, I like your reaction. Uh, I... <laughs> I don't. I didn't think that this would affect me as as much as. I mean, this is animated. Like this is an animated thing, and it's affected me the way it's affected me. I didn't think this would happen. Like you, yeah. I, I order sixty six is my like is my downfall to this thing, and yes. like which is why I'm so so looking forward to this Fallen Order game uh, because I want to see the aftermath of Order sixty six. That was one thing I really wanted to see. Oh, you said the word. You said the word. What well, Order sixty six? Aftermath. Oh yeah, yeah, we'll come yeah, back. Okay, yeah. we'll come back to that. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the five of us are also someone else. So um, in the Star Wars, in the world of Star Wars super nerds, the five of us are like an online community, an online international community of people that build stormtrooper uniforms. Okay. And so Dave Filoni uh, got in touch with people from the five of first and invited them down with their stormtrooper uniforms to be in the Mandalorian. And they didn't know what they were going to be in. And so John Favreau and Dave Filoni are watching these people's reaction, watching the people just completely fall apart as like sort of a Mandalorian steps out of a building or whatever. And they were like, this is like our first test audience. And people were just dying um, because they just could not believe the world that's being created. It's like Star Wars. So that's why... That room was full of storm Yeah, because of most of the five of first uh, who were within right. travel distance were probably there. Um, uh, <laughs> it gets better. I mean, uh, anyone that's read any of the uh, Star Wars stories that, that any, any of the Star Wars stories that go after Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. might know a character called Cobb Vanth. And Cobb Vanth is a mm. space pirate um, who on a Jawa transport found and stole a green Mandalorian uniform that he found. And it's, Interesting. I think, Boba Fett's old kit. So when this series mm. was announced, I thought it was going to be Cobb Vanth, um, the story of Cobb Vanth, but the, the, from the screenshots that we've seen now, the, the, his, the Mandalorian's uniform is not Boba Fett's kit unless he's like, modified and sprayed it. So I don't think it's the Cobb Vance story, but it'd be one, it'd be interesting if they, it's interesting that that character exists in the same time frame. Yeah. So that, that's, that's an exciting thing. Um, but you know, there's, there's a potential story there. I mean, it gets better than that. Uh, have you heard of, have you ever heard of, I mean, there's a series called the aftermath trilogy, which covers lots of, uh, wonderful story points, um, in this time frame, And, and it takes place, it's like sort of bridges the creation, the end of the empire to the creation of the first order. Is this on script? Have you heard of, uh, it's a, uh, yes, I think it is. Um, have you heard of Mr. Bones? Have I ever mentioned Mr. Bones? No. Uh, Mr. Bones is an interesting character. And again, one I'd love to see on screen. Mm-hmm. So there's a kid whose parents, whose dad gets caught up in the empire and his mum uh, goes after the dad and she ends up becoming a pilot who, um, is on Gold Squadron with Wedge Antilles. Mm. <laughs> and uh, she comes back after the thing to find her son in three years has become this engineer. And he's taken a B- an old Clone Wars B-1 battle droid, one of these useless yep. things, and customized it, let it watch lots of fighting media on TV, programmed it with like defense mechanisms, put like a vibroblade on one arm, <laughs> sprayed it black and red, Jeez. and then... Crawling around somewhere in a tunnel, he found the remains of some cyborg uh, general from the Clone mm. Wars and uploaded that software to this battle droid. 
So this battle droid has the remnants of General Grievous's software, <laughs> plus all this other stuff, and it's the most psychotic droid in the Star Wars universe. He just like sings and jumps around and kills people like with extreme violence. And uh, if he is in this series, it will be one amazing series. So yes, please bring on Mr. Bones. He's called Mr. Bones because the kid put little lots of little fish bones and stuff on him to decorate him. Innocent right, okay. and scary. Because you just hear the bones rattling as he's walking along. Mm. Um, so yes, all, the, all of these things are wonderful and exciting and uh, potential uh, story points that are, are going to hopefully come into this this uh, new universe. I'm really fucking excited. Uh, as you can probably tell. So... Yeah, but- uh, how, what was your what was your take on all of that stuff? I don't know. I mean, it, I, I, it feels like um, kind of we've got a from on the on the Clone Wars we kind of got a touch of of who kind of the Mandalorians were, uh, and they they never kind of delved massively into it. And the way they kind of made it out um, was that you know that they were obviously seriously talented and they're gifted people with some, I guess, tremendous warrior-like abilities. Um, but I'm, I'm interested. I'm intrigued to see who this person is and who, uh, I guess, who or where Boba Fett, Boba Fett came from and, like, his background in terms of, not Boba Fett himself, but as in his clan, I guess. Um, so I'm interested. I'm interested. I, I, I Again, I, I'm, it's something I'm going to watch. I, did, I didn't, like, some... Remember, and what, did you, what do you think of the Mandalorians and the Clone Wars? Like, do you remember Pre Vizsla? He was the bad guy, right? Yeah, that was John Favreau, yeah, yeah. by the way. Yes, yeah, no, it was, yeah, the bold guy, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 what made it even cool when I found out that he was making this Mandalorian um, series. Um, so yeah, no, I'm 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 intrigued. I'm I'm intrigued to see a Star Wars series that has nothing to do with the Star Wars that we're familiar with. Um, that is completely different. There's not no lightsabers. There's no Jedi, um, from what we've seen anyway. It's just going to be something completely different, and I'm, I'm interested to see how they approach something like this. And it's they, this is complete and total fan service. Like the fact yeah. that they're making this, they're actually making this for just the fans, it, is it kind of is testament to not just like the Star Wars fan universe, um, but I guess the people who make Star Wars, like it, it they are listening basically and. There's not a lot of franchise franchises that that kind of do stuff like that, so it's it's nice to see that happen. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get on to uh, the the next section, um, and this was uh, uh, yeah. I, I wanted to answer that question, uh, I guess, which is uh, why Star Wars important, and I think we can do about another sort yep. of ten fifteen minutes maybe yep. on that. Uh, it might be moderately interesting. And what it was, was um, why Star Wars important. Well, I wanted to go back in time to um, why... It's like asking the question, why is mythology important? Why is stories important? Why do all these pe- people act like this stuff so good? And it's because it's a completely new... It, over the years, it's become a, a new embedded mythology in society. And mythologies are really, really important. Mythologies make up... Mythologies make up um, everything around us. So, I mean, uh, one of my uh, one of my favorite books is um, 
Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari, and he talks about uh, this thing called informed order, um, saying that we we, we mm. manifest, uh, yeah. we make myth- mythologies official through legal mechanisms, through making companies, and then once everyone believes that a, a thing is a thing, even though that mm-hmm. thing doesn't actually exist, it's a mythology in our minds because we all agree with it, like money. Yep, we all act accordingly. Yeah. Um, and so culturally, it's important to know where these myth- mythologies come from, because in the past, we've talked about how slavery, uh, oh, God, everything comes back to fucking slavery. <laughs> no, it's just a really quick example, and then I'm not going to talk about it. So okay. please stay with us. <laughs> um, it's like, oh, it's giving me a dis- an uncomfortable feeling. <laughs> S word. Uh, Slavery itself um, was enabled by the mythology mm. of um, some people being less human. Mm. Um, and that meant that any act towards ownership or um, helping people that were enslaved was almost bene- thought of as beneficial towards the slaves because they're helpless. Mm. And that's that's a mythology that, you know, unfortunately some of it's carried over till today and was today's society is suffering from some of that. But... It's an example. Uh, it's, a, I think, a very relevant example of why mythologies are important and worth, worth studying. Because in the old days, people understood this. Yeah, back in the days of um, uh, ancient um, Middle Eastern religions, Indian religions, mm. mythologies were everything. Mm. I mean, if you look at religions, religions were the first mythologies, and they were the informed order as well as the story mythologies. Mm. So that you know, you can't do a thing because this character in religion said it or did it, and if you do it. You'll be punished, cast out. You know, oh, you had a drink, you're not allowed to drink. Yeah, you ate a bit of a cow, you can't eat cows. They don't like it. They have animals, they don't mind. Um, etc. etc. So I was gonna start from uh, really early days and say there's a wonderful example in Sapiens about um informed order being the first uh, official written informed order being the um code of Hammurabi, um, which was a book that said, these are the laws, this is how the world's going to work. Um, but we're, you know, me and you come from an Indian background. We know about the Upanishads, and the, which are a bunch of Indian books with old stories about how the world was formed. Um, uh, the, the Veds, the Vedas, many people have heard of. The Darth uh, Vedas. N- no. Uh, <laughs> um, ha- have a, a lot of stories and myths that, that informed society um a, a lot of people say oh in in islam in, in islam they have all these like rules and uh, regulations and how things should work uh, and some people take those things very literally well mm. a lot of those things don't come directly from the quran they come from another bunch of stories and myths and uh the, the, uh from a bunch of uh books called the hadiths okay. um so er- everyone has this in their world and i think one of the reasons that that Star Wars and then many other stories that came afterwards are important is because it's a neutral um, mythology mm. full of lots of stories and philosophy and a world that can be explored yeah. that's not a, attached to an exclusive culture. And that's probably why it appeals to so many people um, in many ways. Because if we look back through history, the history of this subject is called comparative mythology. Um there was in the 1840s. I'll run down, run down this list very quickly, and people can go and look it up if they want to know more. In the 1840s, there was a guy called Max Müller, 
is one of the first people to translate the Indian Upanishads and the Rigveds and the first one to introduce Hindu scriptures to the Europe. And he you know, so one of the, thought of was one of the founders of a subject called uh, um, yeah. <clears throat> Indology, which is the study of me and you, because we're Indos, kind of. It's a study of um, culture from uh, the Indus Valley and Indian subcontinent. Um, but th they would always say, well, this stuff can't be older than the Bible. They think it's like 4,000 years old, but it can't be. And they said, these people just have lots of silly superstitious beliefs. But they would still be fascinated with the fact that it was full of stories. And they had all these interesting ways of telling the stories with the commonalities across the structure of the stories. Um, he studied um, uh, Sanskrit, the language, um, and because the East Indian Company that wonderful, uh, supportive organization um, for some people <laughs> had taken possession of lots of ancient Sanskrit texts. And so he was able to get hold of those and study them. And then um, he started writing like the subject called comparative uh, mythology, even though he started redating the stuff. One thing he did say, this Max Mueller guy, was that mythology was a disease of language, which later on, um, a guy called Tolkien in the 1940s came along and he said, no, I don't agree with that. There was this a hu huge influence yeah. uh, on him and on some of the other people at the time. Yep. Another influence was um, a, a guy called Sir James George Fraser who wrote a book uh, 19, uh, in the 1940s yep. called The Golden Bough. And The Golden Bough was a study of um, a study in magic and religion where he also, that was 1915, yeah, you're right. Um, where he also renamed things and he sort of Christianized things. And this is a habit that hasn't stopped since the 1800s um, of, of taking things and saying, oh, that's like the Christian version of, of uh, the angel Gabriel. And that's like the, the, the Indian version of the angel Gabriel. And that is like the African version of the Virgin Mary. And it's like, uh, yeah, we don't sort of say Vishnu is the, like the... <laughs> Jesus is like the Christian version of the Vishnu. I've never heard anyone like sort of do that, but yep. yeah, the, the West has always tried to Christianize stuff. Um, that's reasonable comparison, I think. Um, anyway, that influenced this guy. So there's this guy and all this stuff's happened before him. And so he came to the world and he said, right, um, I'm going to study English lit. And he went to studied medieval literature, went to Columbia University. Um, yep. He was massively influenced by a guy called uh, Adolf Bastian, um, who's an anthropologist who first proposed the idea that myths from all over the world seem to be built from the same elementary ideas. Um, he, in 1924, uh, he met, you know, his, his family and friends were part of these weird societies and stuff. And there was back then, there was this, this society called the Theosophical Society. Uh, have you ever heard of this? No. So this is a really weird organization because it was set up by a guy who said his his son was going to be the guy that changes the world. Yep. Now, his son later on turned around and said, yeah, those dudes be crazy. And um, he basically turned around and said, uh, no, no, let's not do that. Yeah. Um, and since then, he's, you know, he went around the world sort of teaching good things and trying to be a, a good person rather than just like heaven-sent person. But in a way, he did change the world. And this is the first way I found that maybe he did. And I don't, still not in any way saying that his dad was right, but 
Uh, it's funny how some of these self-fulfilling things happen, even if they don't happen the way they were meant to happen. So this guy was also an influence on um, uh, so Jiddu uh, Krishnamurti yep. from the Theosophical Society was an influence over the guy I'm talking about. Um, and he introduced him to the beginnings of Indian philosophy. Um, he started learning Old French in 1927, uh, learning Provençal, which is a regional language. He went to the University of Paris, afterwards started learning Sanskrit as well. Yep. Um, he was married in 1938 and stayed married for many, many years. Uh, 1938, uh, it's impossible that he wasn't influenced by the release of a book called On Fairy Stories by J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, where that's, that's the book where uh, Tolkien was like, no, 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 language is not... Um, uh, mythology is not a disease of language, the way Max Mueller said. Yeah. Uh, languages are a disease of mythology. Languages are the side effect. Mythologies are the things, are the events, the principles, the values, the characteristics that we hold dear, that we value, that, that, that come from stories and that demonstrate to us um, not just how to be, but often cause and effect. And language is the thing that extends out of that, which I think was a really interesting um, uh, uh Guru moment by by the Tolkien, one of many, and then the main interest, the main uh, sort of influence here seems to have been Heinrich Zimmer, yeah, um, and his who was a very good friend of Carl Jung, uh, who's a very famous psychiatrist, um, used to, used to talk about dream interpretation and was influenced by the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and these guys all influenced the guy that I'm vaguely talking about here, to the point where Zimmer said, "Can you edit my?" books because Zimmer died soon after that and this guy took over Zimmer's work and he wrote um, he edited um, Zimmer's work which was uh, uh, an understanding of eastern and western ideas and how story structure and the roots of stories from both from uh, Greek mythology from Indian mythology from Chinese mythology all had the same structure and the same roots and Carl Jung found this fascinating because he said there seems to be certain um types of characters and certain uh, sort of motivations that are core to our being as human beings that seem to be part of our makeup, whether it's genetic or mental or something that we've evolved to be attracted to, that are the same across cultures. And they found this um, similarity absolutely fascinating, and so did this new editor that had taken over Zimmer's work. So he finished Zimmer's work, which was Myths and Symbols in Indian Art and Civilization, Um, and then later finished uh, The King and the Corpse, which is another Zimmer book. And then finally, he was influenced by himself by research, doing more research, research in the Arabian Nights, Irish paganism, and all sorts of other stuff, Um, especially the studies of Hinduism and Hindu stories that Zimmer had. And he wrote that Zimmer discloses to us the meanings within their seemingly unrelated symbols, Sorry, Zimmer discloses the meanings within their seemingly unrelated symbols and suggests the philosophical wholeness of this assortment of myth. Mm. And all of this was a huge influence on our on our friend here. So in, yep. in 1949, he, he wrote his own book, um, which was Hero with a Thousand Faces. Yeah. And this guy's name was Joseph Campbell. And the reason I didn't say his name was that I didn't want the story to be, because everyone knows that name. And anyone who comes to story and myth knows that name. But it's very interesting to see the background behind where this came from and the fact that it came from all over the world. And these lots of other people before him were seeing these connections. And then Hero with a Thousand 
faces, pulls all of this information together and says, here is a pattern, or maybe the pattern um, that looks like it's attached to our psyche universally all over the world. Not some European thing, not some scientific discovery, something that came from our mythology Mm. as a combined, um, our mixed mythologies as a combined human, uh, uh, as a species. And then the rest, of, the rest of the story we know, um, because uh, many years later, uh, there was a guy called George. And George was uh, thinking, I'm going to write a saga about culture and mythology, but it's going to be in the future, but it's also going to be fantasy and also science fiction, and I'm going to turn it into these movies. And he had like all of these stories together, and he had the first two drafts done, and then he read Hero with a Thousand Faces. And after he read that story, he turned around and he said, oh, shit, these aren't separate stories. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. (laughs) These should all be one story. And so he revised like the third, fourth, fifth drafts of what he was doing to turn them into this one unified story. And it became, Star Wars became one of the first constructed stories that encompassed all of Joseph Campbell's work of comparative mythology um and 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 i don't think that i don't think there's any um i don't think it's a coincidence that that entire history that came before campbell the book and the revelations that it yeah. gave to george lucas uh is is uh part of the uh the the attractiveness <laughs> and the fame that that star wars has today because it is a universal mythology regardless of what background people are from and so i'll finish off there and I wanted to finish with something that Yuval Noah Harari said, which is that these myths are far stronger than anything that anyone could have imagined. Because once once these myths get into our head, they're there forever. They connect us. They unite us. Well, there you go. I, I think that's a that, that's a that's a good finish. Um, uh, so, um, do you have anything to yeah. say? All right. If you like that, hit subscribe for another collection. <laughs> Uh, we're on we're on itunes we're on spotify we're on uh, all your favorite podcast apps you can hear us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast i've been Karan, and i've been kushal that was a very entertaining ending from my perspective bye see you in four